0: Can he hear me? Have
1: we checked out his ears? Henry Deaver. The devil is in Castle Rock.
0: Welcome, everybody, to the extended microfiche episode of Castle Rock Historical Society, where Professor Hannah Selector and I, her assistant, dig deep into... The first six now episodes of Castle Rock and try to dig out all the little gems that we may have missed. Make sure that we hit all the emails. Make sure that Hannah gets to do her manifesto of questions that need to be answered. How are things with you, Hannah, since we last talked yesterday?
1: (laughs) Oh, Lord. I'm full of Mexican food and conspiracy theories. I'm ready to do this. Wow. And... You know, side note, if any universities are looking to be the first one to hand out an honorary doctorate based on a podcast, I'm available. Yep. I'll I'll go anywhere, and you, I'll pay for it. That would just be hilariously fun. If somebody can get an honorary, tri- bleh, an honorary doctorate for retranslating Beowulf, I can get an honorary doctorate for doing this.
0: That's a thing. Somebody really got that?
1: Yeah. At the college I went to, too.
0: Well, then, we have yeah. just raised our bar there, ma'am. And right. remember, if you couldn't tell... If you haven't watched all six episodes of Castle Rock, or, heaven forbid, you haven't watched any of them, go away!
1: Why are you here? Yes. What's the matter with you? Were Get you looking the... for the a podcast about Castle Rock, the city in Colorado? Oh, What's I the matter with you?
0: With their you own know, historical society. Ugh. They're
1: screwing up our Google metrics, and they it's they really pissing are. me off. <laughs> Shame on us, really. I mean, they've probably been around longer. Yeah, would what... So, my game plan. I tried to make this as organized as possible. I... I have the paper notes, Acadia's got the brain, so I kind of, I draw the map, and then we both follow it to oblivion, or wherever we end up. Yeah, exactly. So, I know this is supposed to be four through six, but knowing what we now know, I couldn't help but go back through episodes one through three and observe a couple things, and it's a good thing I did, because in the first part of episode one, it seems to me that Pangborn hears the schisma a little bit before Henry reappears on the ice that it's a very similar noise to what Henry's hearing. So that's freaking interesting because it probably means that Henry was stepping back through whatever kind of, you know, wormhole he opened between universes and was hiding out for 11 days.
0: Yeah. Didn't, I think we, I think we may have discussed it. Like I thought it was the sound that ice makes. Yeah. We had talked about
1: observing it before, and we may have actually talked about this theory in um, our episode six recap, the first one that we lost, but <laughs> either way, it does seem that that noise occurs when young Henry reappears on the frozen lake. So that's pretty, that great. was interesting. I think. So what else did I do? Oh, I went back through and tried to make a comprehensive list throughout the episodes. And the reason I'm saying this now is because this is the first time that occurs is in episode one of every time that the kid touched somebody Or was touched with someone by with bare skin. So apart from Zaleski, we pretty much only have that I observed. The doctor who was putting eye drops in him had to touch his face to fix his massively dilated pupils. Oh, by the way,
0: Hannah, everybody else, this is not going to be the usual super polished version of our show because I am actually writing stuff down as Hannah says it because I need to fill out the um, archivos thing with more timeline stuff and everything so think of this as like a working session
1: pretend we're like actually in a dusty basement pawing through file cabinets because that's meant to be the feeling we're evoking here tossing papers to and fro connecting things with yarn and thumbtacks it's gonna get crazy
0: and as far as the dust is concerned I got that covered because I haven't dusted in this office in a while.
1: I still have black bullshit, whatever it is, from trying to break into my own car this evening. So it's all over my hands. So yes, we go. Okay, the doctor, possibly the guy who gave him a haircut, but he might have been wearing gloves. I couldn't tell. Prison guards who lead him back to cells may touch some of his bare arm. But that's all I got. However, I still think it's significant because in the later episode, we see Lacey pointedly taking off the glove to touch the kid. Yep. So, I do still think touch is a taboo, but it would seem to illustrate either that they weren't expecting us to watch the show this closely or that the kid has some modicum of control over who he harms via touch.
0: Did the guy in the prison cell get touched or touch him? I mean, because remember he said you shouldn't touch me. Right, because... but
1: maybe it has to be the kid touching that No, because then Lacey no, just Lacey touches does him. It. Yeah, it's like, what's the deal there? And is it going to be just one of those things that we have to let go? Suspension of disbelief sort of deal. Yeah. Anyway, that's that's what occurred. Those are the people who possibly touched his skin other than the people we saw directly affected by it. Got it. I paid more attention to a quote that Henry had in the courtroom. If I were to kill someone, God would have to sign off directly. I just think, considering all of the things that are happening in the show, that that quote is not accidental i also thought of his dad's death who but said it henry did when he's pleading for his client in the courtroom um, uh now you all consider the gravity yada 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 of the decision you're about to make for someone else if i henry deaver personally were to kill someone god himself would have to sign the order so wow yeah huh.
0: interesting
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i still Let's think he's a good here. guy who henry yep. yeah I, I mean i do too but a uh, flawed. Oh, oh I sure. have a note that says Zaleski is so good, underline, underline, and then ugh, because you just knew from the beginning this kid was gonna get fucked over because yeah. he's so sweet. He Everything he doomed. does is like so nice. He's so earnest too, like trying to be that kid in the classroom who like sharpens all the pencils and says, yep. Teacher, don't you remember you assigned homework? I mean oh, that yes. kid sucks, but <laughs> so. it's
0: true the fact is is that he almost he taught us what the town was and it was up to us after that to figure out whether we would catch on that the town really is like that because we found a bunch of other examples later on of people quote-unquote looking the other way
1: right right let's see okay so who was it that told us that wendell and Merritt were mentioned in the first episode
0: that was jenny beans
1: well she was right it sure as hell was yeah. I had my head too far up Stephen King's, you know, where, trying to find other stuff to actually hear the very clear line about his wife and child, mm-hmm. ex wife and child. That happened. When I went back, I noticed more that Ruth has a lot of travel posters and sort of worldly type things that seem to indicate that she is either highly educated in history or has been a lot of places. Not your, like, stereotypical conservative small town preacher's wife kind of possessions, if you know what I'm trying to say without trying to offend anybody, you know? Right. She's She's got depths, and I dig that. Also, Iceland. I don't know why, but that Iceland poster is in the background of a lot of scenes.
0: In a thing you're going to think is made up, I've been to Iceland a bunch of times.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It was a thing.
1: have to do with not having a dining room table or the camp or something else.
0: <laughs> it's a totally different section of my entire life but yes here's a fun thing about iceland nobody has last names The well, that
1: doesn't sound confusing at all
0: well here's why it's such a small country there's no stigma on unwed mothers whatsoever Sure. to the point where there are no family names as it were it's your name would be hannah what's your father's name or say a name that you know mark a man, mark You would be Mm. Hannah Markson, uh, Mark's daughter, Uh, or you could pick your mother's name and be Mm. her daughter. And your brother would be Mark's son or your mother's name's son.
1: Mm. How do you pick a favorite parent?
0: It's weird, right? So the phone book goes by first names, Hmm. and apparently the grossest thing on the planet Earth that you can eat is rancid shark meat that's a delicacy in Iceland that they... They kill a shark, and it's raw, and they bury it in the ground. Then they dig it up later, and you eat it. And yeah, the first time I that, went there, I ate it because I was just trying to be like, okay, I'll just do whatever anyone tells me. And then I've watched a bunch of those cooking shows where they, you know, the people go to find all the weird foods. Every single yeah. one of them said that shark in Iceland was the grossest. So I've eaten the grossest thing in the world.
1: And to think, I was balking at brown bread.
0: Ooh, Get I bet they have bread. it at Food Lion.
1: Oh, God. Well, they have all-dressed chips now, much to the delight of my Canadian relative.
0: Man, I was in British Columbia, and I didn't even know what all-dressed chips were. And I was there last spring, and they're the greatest thing I've ever tried.
1: I will say that the ones that we have in the U.S. don't quite taste like the ones I've had in Canada, but they're a good facsimile, so I'm on board.
0: They also had roasted chicken-flavored chips.
1: In theory, that sounds good, but your face is making me think it's not.
0: Well, it tasted like roasted chicken, but roasted chicken made with a lot of rosemary.
1: Mm, okay. So,
0: what are you gonna do? None of those things happened in Castle Rock, but whatever. You came for the ambiance, folks.
1: (laughs) Fine, I'll dial it back in. Henry mentions to Pangborn, you you signed the distress settlement too. I want to know what that distress settlement was. It may be helpful in parsing exactly when Pangborn started living with Ruth, which, again, I don't think was that long ago. Certainly not more than five years ago, in my personal opinion. I get more into that later. And I also got myself thinking during the first episode whether the schisma is heard more strongly at certain heights because the bluff seems to indicate that people are trying to get higher. Fair like, point. maybe it would be heard more at higher altitudes, and maybe putting the kid underground separates him from it in some way.
0: Uh...
1: Just a thought, just an unformed observation.
0: But you know what? Now you just made me think, how bad of a son is Henry that he doesn't talk to his mother enough to know that she had dementia or that his father had been moved or any of those things? Like, how estranged has he been?
1: I mean, pretty damn estranged, it seems like. So he would have had to get the conservatorship at some point. Like, he would have had to get his mother, like, declared incompetent or whatever they call it in Maine but I don't know how long ago that happened. We yeah, don't know how long ago that pull happened. That in. It's, it's not just me. Nope. All right, what else from episode one? Now, our whole context about time may call into question what Zaleski saw and how he saw it at the end of that episode.
0: I mean, With, it did mirror what ended up happening.
1: Right, so it's not necessarily that he had a psychic vision or whatever, maybe like he got time warped or time bubbled or however this works. I don't know. And the same thing for when... Henry and younger Henry are occupying the same physical space. That may be more of a timeline shift than anything else, or like timelines crossing over each other or a veil being thin on the bluff, whatever kind of concept we're dealing with there. Got that. Yes. Was
0: there, there was no green light in that scene when he was either no, in his dream. Okay.
1: Not that I saw All
0: right.
1: the green light seems to be mostly associated with Lacey. If I'm correct. Lacey and the kid very occasionally um but yeah primarily Lacey. okay brief rundown of stuff i thought about rewatching episode two this is when i started tracking pupil dilation for the kid and what like in terms of evil things happening and his pupils getting super big because mm-hmm. they sort of zoomed in on that in episode six so during the false alarm incident Definite pupil dilation there when Zaleski goes out and almost shoots that other guy. Right. Yep. And then there is a scene in episode two where we see Lacey's car driving by, probably to build the cage, and Henry's missing poster is up on a sign by on a signpost by the train tracks. So we know that the cage was built sometime during the period of time when Henry went missing. Meaning that the emergence of the kid overlapped with Henry's disappearance, for sure. Not that that was something we didn't know, just that that was a detail that I noticed this time
0: around. Did his pupils go when he made the mouse kill itself?
1: No. Not that I saw. Now, that could have just been sort of an imagery thing, too, though. Not something that the kid did but meant to make us, like, think oh, this guy's bad news, you know? True. Red herring sort of deal. Uh, let's see here. I Did I talk about last episode, that Bible verse about fires and, like, burning up the chaff and all that good stuff?
0: We did like in did. the last episode, but we didn't do it in the second one.
1: Okay, well, I'll save it for harvest, but anyway. <gasps> Sorry, everybody. The pupils did dilate when Zaleski confronted the kid about, like, were you jumping around or whatever they did do, do the thing. Briefly. I've noted Henry's birthday was September 27th, 1980. So if that date is significant in the King universe, I would love to know. I could probably actually just look back at see if it overlaps with any of Lacey's calendar dates. I have to move my desk chair to reach a notebook. Acadia, say something profound.
0: Now I realize that I need to put all of the Lacey desk calendar dates on the timeline, on the archival's yes, thing. Sure. Because if I don't, then it's going to be a problem.
1: I don't know why I can't frickin' find this all of a sudden, because I know I wrote it down. I'm scheming against myself or something. Whatever. Or anyway, something. Maybe, maybe it's significant, maybe it's not. I did notice that both Molly and Zaleski carry notebooks around. I don't think it's significant. It just made me feel like I'm not alone.
0: Fair enough. Compulsing me to
1: carry, to carry something to write on around all the time. Hmm. I thought it was interesting that... Jackie said that Castle Rock is literally no longer on the map. I know it was a reference to the unincorporated thing, but it also made me think government conspiracy kind of stuff. It seemed like one of those <laughs> not accidental lines.
0: Wait a minute. You know what that means? What? If they're not incorporated, there is no sheriff because their services would come from the county.
1: Oh, so it must have been who would come in to talk about Whatever.
0: So Cowboy Hat might have been the county sheriff, the castle right. county sheriff, but not the town sheriff.
1: Okay, I found the calendar dates. Henry's birthday isn't on there, but nah. Yep, then I've got the note about the guards touching the kid's shoulders. Lacey says what we did to protect our town. I still think that we implies more than just him and Pangborn. So Has I to, want to know who these other parties what are. what the kid
0: said, right?
1: Mm-hmm. And lacy's eyes flash green even inside his dead severed head there's a green tint in his pupils and that can't possibly be my imagination said the completely sane person
0: well then you know what that means who was in both of the scenes where we saw the green
1: the dog yeah so
0: if the window and lacy's eyes were both reflecting the dog the dog was coming the dog was flipping through his (laughs)
1: eyes do it again in episode six
0: Ooh, Lacey's? Lacey's
1: eyes yeah when he's talking to the or maybe it's episode 5 it is episode 5 when he's talking to the kid in the cage there's some flickering green flickering in his pupils hmm. it's just it's very it's pretty subtle that time but still i it's not a lighting thing it's not a camera thing because i can see the what's it called the shine in your eye that naturally ha- i don't know i'm sure it has a name twinkle They're very attentive to it and the little, like, you know in anime, they always have the shiny white spot on your iris and pupils? Yes. Yeah, whatever that's called. I know, I can see that part separate of the green flickering that happens in his eyes.
0: Hmm. Prove me wrong! <laughs>
1: convince me otherwise!
0: Yeah, right? Screenshot it up. I think Lacey is much more complex, and I think that he had... He had to have had help, you know, caring for the kid and everything. Oh, yeah. I think that's going to come up because one would in, would think, okay, well, how big a bucket did you need if he was going to take a couple weeks off? You know, he mm-hmm. he couldn't just throw a few loaves of Wonder Bread into the cage and say, see you later.
1: Right. And he, observing later, he isn't going every day, I don't think. No. Because the kid is really snarfing some Wonder Bread in some scene. Like in yeah. the scene in episode five. Like he's pretty hungry. That's kind of fucked up. You're not feeding your captive every day, even if he is Satan or whatever that is. Who doesn't age? Some questions I had in episode three questions, observations, inklings. Uh why was Henry sent to Catholic school? I assume his dad is a Protestant Reverend, because Reverend is in a position that exists in Catholic You're the expert here. What <laughs> that would be a Protestant thing, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's no not references. a lot of I mean, they would call him christian schools which were would be primarily um you know religious centered catholic schools would generally right. have religion class but i mean you'd have nuns and everything like that so it right. could very well be that they did it because of quote unquote education you know you're going to get a good education if you go to catholic schools but those are also not free so right. money comes into it again because if you went no. to
1: know if it's true that it would be like maybe a troubled kid situation would they get sent to Catholic school to maybe straighten them out all I know is when I went to Christian school back in the day and I mm-hmm. did go K through 12
0: okay. that
1: all the Protestant kids that I went to it was like a non-denominational type situation but we were almost essentially taught that Catholicism was wrong You oh, know, yeah. like, a, like a Catholic kid wouldn't come to our school and we wouldn't like their par- parents of students I used to go to school with would not send them to a Catholic school because there's some Ideological things that it's, really don't jive.
0: Yeah, it's, so they're it's an odd choice.
1: Yeah, so that's why I thought it was an odd choice for a clearly Protestant religious leader to send his kid to Catholic school, and I want to know why.
0: Well, I will say, the odds of someone going, "Oh no, there's a demon," somebody calling Episcopalian, are pretty much zero. If you're going to fight, <laughs>
1: like, that's not going to happen.
0: Even I think even like a Methodist would go, "Shit." We need a Catholic.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, and Baptists are certainly going to be like, nah.
0: Not not us. Because that's mostly
1: what we got down here.
0: Yeah. I think that can't be a throwaway. It'll have to come back. I mean, maybe he was, you know, a little rebellious or whatever like that. I mean, if you're only going to start making memories from the time you're 11.
1: Right. So I'm kind of like, are they trying to cleanse something with all of the, like, catechism and crosses all over the place and iconography, which is sadly lacking in a lot of protestant churches i like the symbolism and reverence of catholic services and stuff like that
0: my grandfather the protestant once asked me on my father's side once asked me in all seriousness and i was a kid he's like why do you pray to statues like (gasps) i don't fucking know because i told us to what leave me alone
1: (laughs) yeah I've been to many, many denominational services, and I'll tell you, the one thing I don't like is the kneeling. I do not have the oh, knees for that. Even though they put the cushions on it, it's very uncomfortable. Yep. Also, being fed from a stranger's hand and sharing wine glasses is not my deal either.
0: No. But so. then again, if you just think of it as somebody's meat and their blood, that probably makes it way better.
1: Oh, yeah. The whole like incarnation thing literally is yep. cr- creepy-deepy. I want to know if there's ever been an incident of some like horrible viral or disease outbreak because of sharing that communion cup. Because wow.
0: I've had a lot of colds, for sure. I mean,
1: for sure, yeah. But just think if like some parishioner had like mouth herpes or something, uh, well, the church I would repress that, that in the media. In. Oh, I'm well, sure. If you
0: see the shit they're repressing right now, they could clamp well, the yeah. lid on at mouth herpes in like we two can... seconds.
1: We can cover child sex scandals, we can definitely cover up a breakout of swine flu in, like, rural Montana, where there probably aren't a lot of Catholics, I don't know why I said that. (laughs) But, anywho,zel this may not be a profound thought to some of you, because you're smarter than me, or more observant than me, but I got to thinking that, in Molly's break-in situation, she says nothing's missing, Which either means that they were the worst house robbers of all time, or probably actually that they were looking for something. What were they looking for? And why? Because that's the only other reason you break into someone's house, unless that's how you get your rocks off. You're trying to steal something in particular, like stuff to sell for money, or they have something that you want, specifically.
0: Yeah, they were looking for something. Why are we going to just add on to that?
1: What would Molly have?
0: Well, are we also going to add to that Why did she not seem to give a shit?
1: Well, yeah, but I think we've already covered that there's like something in the water. What's wrong or she knows what they're looking for, maybe.
0: Yeah. And is like
1: now I didn't But even
0: Jackie didn't seem surprised, right?
1: She was like, Oh yeah, my boyfriend, some meth heads came in and stole his microwave and it's like, Well that's still bad, Diane. Why is that not scary?
0: (laughs) Diane
1: Yeah. I said I'd refuse to call her Jackie, and I'm sticking by it, because I think it's ridiculous. <laughs> also, have you thought about... she? Her name is Diane. She Jack and Diane. Like, Jackie, Diane. It yeah. drives me nuts! Only I get to make puns that stupid.
0: Yeah, that's bad.
1: <laughs> so, it's just... Bleh, I don't know. Anyway. Halloween 1990 is when Molly and Henry seem to have that conversation, because he's, like, carving a pumpkin. I just noticed that, huh. so sometime around Halloween 1990 is when Molly looks out her window and sees Henry get into the Reverend's car that night to go out to the woods. Because Henry goes from carving a pumpkin and then we see Molly in her room as a kid getting and then watching Henry get called out into the driveway. So just hmm. a couple months before he disappears, I think.
0: Yeah, that would have been just before.
1: Yep, hmm. and just after his 11th birthday.
0: And things would have been coming to a sort of a crescendo with him being mad at his father. Right, right. So that right, right, all checks out.
1: Hmm. Hmm. so right. one wonders how long the wood stuff is going on for like are his powers just starting to manifest with the idea of puberty because they did make it a point to call our attention to the idea that these kids are just starting puberty which i think is super gross yeah i don't i don't want to know that stuff no. i don't want to hear about that stuff i taught high school i know these things i don't need you to say it if someone would like to have the mailbag conversation about the no one is allowed to touch Ms. Selector's stapler, then you can send that in. I'm now, a, I'm because I had get
0: a dump email to get that story.
1: I had to institute a policy about touching my stapler. And it's related to puberty. So, Aww. use your gross imagination on that one. Yikes. Yep. <laughs> I wrote down some details from the testimony in the freaky paper mache kid trial that I thought were interesting and I want to know if are gonna come back in a real murder. Her sneakers were full of blood, there were holes in her stomach her head had been bashed against some quarry stones. The murderer was known and the murderer was someone she knew. If someone later in these episodes has these injuries, I will freak and I'm thinking of a female character that would wear sneakers and it's Diane like she yeah. would totally wear some converse high tops. Yep. And the murderer was known to her, the kids got a knife, he were smoking pot together. I just want to see if there's going to be a character that ends up having those exact injuries. Hmm. It would, it's just so specific, you know. Yeah. It, it calls for really attention. Yeah. Maybe it's foreshadowing, maybe it's not.
0: Since we just got done <laughs> talking about young Molly and Henry, I wanted yeah. to bring up an email that we got from no,
1: not the sad one.
0: Well, it's important, it's yeah. sad, but it's important because Jenny Beans has said something along the same lines. So Sherry says, in Dolores Claiborne, when the cute little daughter all of a sudden started having greasy hair, I thought, oh boy, and sure enough, she was being sexually abused by her father. So don't judge her too harshly. We may yet find out something sad about Molly, which
1: mm.
0: makes me super sad in like five ways number one because i like making fun of her greasy hair and i wanted to have been for a fun puberty reason not a horrible bone crushing reason that said how good would the writers have to be to To know that that, which nobody else would have probably noticed you know what i mean and still i
1: i always kind of bristle about that kind of theme in horror shows though I, i can't i hope if it is i hope it's dealt with sensitively
0: yeah is.
1: yeah i have a real axe to grind about sex crimes and molestation and rape it's a fine line to walk as a plot device and almost no one does it correctly so i yeah. mean i i obviously really hope that's not true but it's it's entirely possible obviously
0: essentially oh. if ice T and mariska hargety aren't chasing the sex creep i don't want to watch a show about sex creeps
1: yeah pretty much no done And every time rape is used as a storytelling mechanism in a horror movie, it it really bothers me usually. So, we'll see. But that is very sad, and it made me feel like a dick, and now I feel like I can't joke about the greasy hair thing, even though teenagers have bad hygiene, and it's funny. Why can't it just be that?
0: I'll tell you what. We can keep making fun of her greasy hair, and if it turns out that it was because of something bad, I will donate $100 towards some charity that helps young girls. How's that? I
1: think that's a great idea.
0: Alright. And then I'll probably do it anyway at the end of it, but I yeah, just want goodness. you to feel able to make fun of her hair.
1: Yeah. I mean I've volunteered as Guardian Ad Lightum before and stuff, so but and so I would like to just point out that I would not be insensitive to this sort of thing.
0: Yeah. You're not a monster for that.
1: I've probably blocked out that part of Dolores Claiborne because it was so awful. Yeah, yeah that would be very sad. Anyway <laughs> not to make light of horrible subjects. Uh, I also noticed that the children's trial where they're all yelling guilty, guilty, guilty mirrors Molly's vision earlier about the church with the sinner, sinner, sinner thing. Guilty, sinner. And Molly is the target of both of these things.
0: And they were right.
1: Yes, they were. That
0: she was guilty.
1: And the murderer in the room so It's a it's a whole room full of Stephen King tropes about the preternaturally sensitive or intelligent or grown-up child. It's mm-hmm. just a, every Stephen King child protagonist all gathered together in the room.
0: And they were all there. Yeah. And the Children of the Corn thing? I mean, I get it. None of the kids yeah. were named Malachi, so that kind of sucks, but, you know.
1: Yeah. It also could kind of recall the Lord of the Flies scenarios because Castle Rock is a reference to a location in that Lord of the Flies story.
0: Yes, um, very true. Where
1: Piggy, where Piggy was killed, I think is interesting. What that is. So yeah, kids, when they are left alone to form a society, it will be bad. Well, I mean, humans too. Usually, in the early stages of society building, that whole Hobbesian state of nature thing, and when you resolve it, there's violence.
0: Oh, look at you. Well, wow. they mentioned.
1: They mentioned the state of nature in the show, but I did take philosophy in college, so, you know. Now I know everything about how the world works. I read The Prince, and I read some Hobbes, and I read some others.
0: Well, look at that. Stuff,
1: so now I I know exactly why everything happens.
0: You know all the things, and I would point out that even though this is a podcast, Hannah's wearing her hat that this week says, who is Fat Tony? But she's also wearing a tweed jacket with leather patches on the elbows and smoking a pipe, because she is super, super smart today.
1: Yeah, damn right. And mm-hmm. who is Fat Tony is arguably the most important question raised by Castle Rock so far.
0: And I still say that the answer is the bad mobster from The Simpsons.
1: Is it the most ambitious crossover of all time? An <laughs> animated show and a real show, a horror show and a comedy show? You know? Oh.
0: <sighs> That would be dope.
1: Matt Groening, if you're listening, you've done, like, a sci-fi spoof show. You've done a family family comedy spoof show. You've done a fantasy the, spoof show. I want you to do a horror trope spoof he show. He did a Stephen would,
0: King episode, too, of The Simpsons. Yeah,
1: he has, but I wanted to do a whole series because you know he's got now that, like, Game of Thrones spoof thing up on yes. Netflix called Unenchanted. I haven't watched it yet, but I love I'm Futurama. Different. It's, like, my favorite show, so. Exciting. There's a lot of rabbit trails today. Yes, there, you know
0: life. what? We've, we've... Been really good staying on topic and everything like that. So we're going to wander a little bit.
1: Asking another important question, because that's what I do. They found a bunch of Moon Pie wrappers in Tracy's car. Or, I mean, yeah, Reverend Lacey's car. Not Reverend Lacey, Warden Lacey's car. And I want to know who ate the Moon Pies. Was that Lacey? Really? Did he have somebody else with him? Yeah. Moon Pie wrappers were one of the things that they found in there.
0: I wonder if there were any in his messy office along with the Q-tips.
1: There were not. (laughs)
0: So, <laughs>
1: maybe I was gonna say is that something he would hide from his wife you know like not to eat junk food but then I remembered she's blind
0: yeah so that's easy
1: yeah I actually dialed up the Shawshank phone number from the show 207-809-4720 they didn't even buy the number and make a voicemail for it it's just not in service kind of yeah, a bummer feel like that would have been some cool marketing yep oh well Man, figured out if we
0: could get it as a Google number
1: What's hilarious. the number? <laughs> uh, 207-809-4720. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, we might be rich yeah. in a minute. Make that shit. <laughs> <100 yeah>.
1: <laughs> now, I think I already mentioned this in our last episode, but I did go back and realize that they mentioned boats when Henry is talking to the kid in jail, and he's like, you're going to turn this entire state near your boat garage with this settlement, and the kid's all intrigued by the idea of boats. Like boats? Yeah.
0: Well, there is Castle Lake, so that makes sense.
1: Yeah, you can go fishing. You can have a boat. We don't really know how big the lake is, but you can put a paddle boat on anything. Or a, a rowboat. Dart, bleh, the guards touch the kid. Now, I want to know if Bandaged Priest is the same guy even when his face is showing, because sometimes the whole thing is covered. When it's Reverend Deaver, it's just like one of those toothache bandages and like some around the forehead. Right. But the one guy has his entire face covered. But I still right. think it's the Reverend's voice. So I kind of want to know why that is. And I did observe that now this is in light of knowing what the schisma is, that all of the bandaged people in the church audience have their ears covered by bandages in one way or another.
0: So it's a schisma cult. Perhaps. Because they're deafening themselves.
1: I could of course be Rongo Bongo. I'm never letting that go. I think it's great. It, it's, it is. It's just right up really my alley. Great. Now into the true recap. There were just a couple things from one through three that I, I wanted to get out of my system because I think it's important to view that through the new lens of the big information drop that we got. Okay. In episode five and six. So now we're on episode four. In the ba- the first observation about episode four I made was that the big thick rope near Henry's cage in whatever basement they're in, looks like the noose that Lacey used. Of course, that's probably your standard big-scale rope gauge at a hardware store. Right. But nothing is accidental when you're making a TV show.
0: No. Unless they bought the rope at the same place where they bought the record player.
1: (laughs) Props department, we're watching you! (laughs) Don't use the same rope if it's not related, because I'll find it and think it is. That's right. The kid's pupils did dilate when he threatened Count Chocula. So that's another point in the pupils dilating is significant and not just because he's been living in low light for the last whatever amount of years.
0: So then I think it would be he's activating the power.
1: Yeah. It's not or, the touch,
0: it's the eyes or a combination.
1: Or if, yeah, if we're if we're going with my view of the whole thing that whatever other thing is taking over like the kid is a vessel and something is coming forward
0: you're such a kid apologist
1: i have some bible verses to go with this theory too just wait
0: <laughs> I oh just, that's great
1: i just don't want to feel bad about having a crush on the kid and i'm gonna shoehorn it anyway you don't have
0: to people like bad boys even like yeah but you're supposed to grow bad. out of
1: it you yeah, know well, or at least that's what they tell you
0: nobody does
1: So then I was thinking to myself, because I'm looking for things to think about, when Pangborn says, I was doing my job, to which job is he referring? Here, his job as a sheriff. Hmm. Are they one and the same? Because when Henry's like, why didn't you investigate this whole thing? Or what have you.
0: And then he said, I mean, the things that Pangborn said during that conversation actually rang true to me. The whole, you know, throw out a couple of fake leads, keep the DA guessing, keep them from pressing charges against you. Right. You know, and I, but I also don't think the only one that if the town was pissed at Henry because they believed Mm -hmm. that Henry was a straight up murderer and they alluded Mm -hmm. to the fact that Henry had some trouble after that fact, but they never said anything that I know of that he had any trouble prior to that. Mm -hmm. And maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think any 11-year-old child, even if the 11-year-old child did push their father off a bluff, even if it were on purpose, I don't know how you pull a first-degree murder charge out for an 11-year-old. You just don't.
1: Yeah. Very rarely would a child be convicted of something like that. Yeah. Which is, which is why they have entire documentaries about the, like, three kids that have ever done that in the United States and been convicted.
0: And what did Molly say? Even if you did do it, you, you were just, just a kid. kid. She's the only one that says what she's thinking and saying not just what she's thinking. Honestly, I think in a lot of ways, she's the only one saying what we're thinking about stuff. Right. Yeah. She's an honest but narrator. I find,
1: I find Molly to be one of the more reliable narrators in the show. Agree. In, in some ways. So, yeah. Now, does that maybe imply that Pangborn was, in fact, trying to protect an adult who could be culpable by doing this, like Ruth?
0: I mean, I wouldn't put that past him for a second. Nor would I. You know I. what I mean? Like, so, yeah. I think he just would clearly. do that. I mean, it's a two for one. But I also think that yeah, if he knew, well, now see, that doesn't, that doesn't line up though. He couldn't have known what Lacey was doing ahead of time. So he was not in right. the planning with Lacey because he was surprised by the kid in the car. But he had to have known Lacey well enough to just went, all right, I'll take your word for it. Carry on. Right. So I'm still convinced that the kid stuff is separate from the schisma stuff, at least in, or at least rather as it relates to the people pursuing the schisma and Lacey pursuing the kid. Whoever was on team Lacey was not poking Q-tips through their eardrums so that they could be deaf and bumble around the woods looking for a thinny. Right. Definitely not. They were completely different because God is straight up talking to Lacey. Right.
1: Using actual sentences that he's hearing and appearing to him at a quarry. Sure. So, this or is something. Was it a different. dream,
0: and it right. was a you know Mother Abigail Randall Flag type deal where the good person is supposedly talking to, you know, Lacey. and the bad person is talking to everybody else. If the you know, I still think that the I think the kid the closest analog to the kid right now is flag because flag doesn't always get born whole as a self-aware being and everything like that.
1: Right. You kind of have to come into your own as the devil. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Devil puberty. (laughs) Okay. Here's my big thing. And this could be completely wrong. It probably will be, but I really want this to work. So I did some digging. Now you guys know, I've been curious about Ruth's maiden name, right? Like I really want to know. If she's another King character. Well, I found one that she could possibly be. Bring it. You can't see my face right now, but there's a lot of gesturing and wide-eyed She
0: smiling. is gesticulating like a mofo.
1: The bully in Carrie, one of the girl bullies in Carrie, the one who makes fun of Carrie when she gets her period in the shower and for, like, blotting her lipstick with weird, ta- weird stuff. A tampon. Spoiler alert. Her name is Ruth, and she's one of the eleven survivor at the end of the prom massacre and we know that that school from carrie ehs was mentioned in that newspaper article and that it's near castle rock it could be she would be about 10 years younger than the reverend i think if my math is right but it's still possible that she could be ruth gogan i think is her name anyway there's a ruth and carrie and she's one of the nasty girls but it's possible that she changed you know
0: well that's incredibly interesting, because it also have obviously opened her eyes to the supernatural. Yeah. You know, Indeed. she wouldn't have been worried exactly. about it. See, mm-hmm. I thought you were going to say that her last name could be White. No. Just because Carrie's last name was White.
1: No. It's bigger than that. Or yeah. possibly dumber than that. You know. Could be completely wrong, but I thought that was a neat one.
0: That is a really good dig. That's a good dig. I could be trying dig.
1: way too hard.
0: No, but I'm not even... I'm just saying it's a good dig. As a matter of fact, I'm going to tweet about it right now while we're recording the episode.
1: And that may explain some of her, like, wanting to take in a kid who's odd or bullied or whatever, like, sort of penance. Because some bullies do come around and realize what they've done is wrong, and then I've heard of people apologizing years later for things that they did. And, you know, it, there is redemption for everybody, so.
0: And, I mean, I assume if the if the fruit of your bullying was most of your classmates being murdered and burned to a crisp at prom that would be Ah, more fire oh yeah more
1: cleansing fire Mm -hmm. yeah so there you go all of the rest of my observations for four are not that deep (laughs)
0: that's (laughs) gold
1: yeah possibly
0: yeah but it it just until we find out what the last name is that's staying on the board
1: goes on my crazy board yeah so there you go guys that's for the episode I think as far as, like, my, my crazy theories. Don't use tampons to blot your lipstick is the lesson that we should learn from Ruth's possible high school self. I guess. My next observation was that you can see that the person in uh, has a stick or a cane. Yes. Which, I know Mrs. Lacey doesn't use one at the top of the house, but maybe the basement is not something she knows as well. Yeah. And I that think is
0: a... I have heard it referred to by others as a cane,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I don't know if they have any other... A knowledge that we don't have.
1: Right. Because there hasn't been any other character who has a cane, and you would expect a blind person to have one at least. Yeah, more, but... A, a, more a, than a... The, the, like a
0: stick. Yeah, but the, they have the, you know, light ones that go out in the front, not the ones that you need for walking. You no, think it's true. the same? I don't know. Uh,
1: I don't know. It's dark down there, and it wasn't a very clear picture. Maybe. True. Fair enough. So, yeah. Uh, let's see here. Now... This may not be correct, or well, you can probably account for it for the monitors, but there's a green glow on Zaleski's face when he's watching the monitors. Now, for security monitors, I usually think of a blue glow, don't you? Mm hmm. Who knows? Just a thought.
0: Yeah, but see, if I'm thinking that it's a thinny, then the thinny would be in a place. Yeah. The question I have with that is what the hell were the smiley faces for?
1: Yeah. I mean, it couldn't just be a Mr. Mercedes nod. That seems odd. I made a no. poem.
0: Well, you know, maybe it's just as simple as that lady kept telling him to smile, and that's oh, yeah. what was going to make him smile.
1: Like, fuck you! Here's a yeah. smile for you.
0: Yeah, but I blast you in the chops.
1: That's so <laughs> dark for Seleski, though. He's such a he was such a cinnamon roll, you know.
0: Yeah, so but he he got twisty. turned. He got he got his his hope broken. Henry was his hope and then it got dashed yeah oh
1: oh well if any real estate agents listen to our show please tell me if you've ever had a potential home buyer look in a freezer and then tell me why the hell they did it
0: good idea we have a lot of professionals we need help from
1: yeah like maybe we'll just put out a call for listeners i can't think of a reason for a podiatrist to be needed but hey you're welcome here too
0: yeah why don't instead of Instead of us waiting for us to need you, why don't you just email us and tell us what it is you do, and we'll figure out a way to do a question that relates to it.
1: (laughs) If I don't have a question based on the show, I've got a question for my real life for sure. Mm -hmm. Okay, observations related to Desjardins' house. The The dining room table is set, and it's set for more than one person. Now, I didn't see if it had been gathering dust for a long, long time, but who's it set for? It's a very solitary house. Was he meeting with Pangborn and Lacey about whatever weird thing they were doing and they were going to have dinner? Although he can't cook in his kitchen because there's a huge piano in it, so maybe it's just from a long, long time ago.
0: How did you notice it? What?
1: They pan to the dining room briefly as Henry's walking through the house, and there's settings for at least three people at his dining room table. Glasses and plates and forks and knives and everything.
0: Huh. And he couldn't even get to the coffee pot. Hmm...
1: Right, exactly. So you probably couldn't cook. But I mean, if you brought home pizza, you would still set places for people, right? That's what I I do when I have people over for pizza.
0: Not me. I just let him use the top of the box, if that.
1: Yeah. Use your shirt. You filthy (laughs) animal. Then, now we sort of talked about this before. Is, like, Desjardins cage out back for his own kid that he's capturing for nefarious purposes? I mean, (laughs) what? Everyone's kidnapping kids or yeah, using know. kids for weird reasons or making kids deaf with hot pokers. It's just not good to be a youth in Castle Rock.
0: It's not good to be a youth in Stephen King land. Yeah, think about, true. you know, the shining, the dead zone yeah. was pretty much grown ups. <laughs> Mark Petrie was a kid in Salem's Lot. Carrie was a kid. The, yep. uh, you know, the shining, I think I legitimately think was the time that King wrote a novel. That was the one book that Stephen King wrote that I think you could honestly say was telling two stories at once, which is my oversimplified version of what's a story and what's a novel. Mm-hmm. You know, it's... it's He is a, an amazing storyteller and he's a hell of a lot better storyteller than lots of novelists are novelists. But I think that other than, like, super ham-handed metaphors, I think The Shining was the only... That was his, if he wanted to go in a different direction after writing The Shining, he could have, because Jack Torrance as a character was complicated, and if the hotel had not been haunted, that mm-hmm. would still have been a good novel. Right. You know what I mean? That's yeah. That was him saying, I can talk about more than one thing at once, etc., and... But again, it's a kid having terrible shit happen to him. It's right. A whole bunch of kids having a bunch of terrible yeah, shit happen to awful him. Stuff. And then a gangbang for no reason
1: that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and agree.
0: The Doc Tower, Jake is a kid. Man, mm-hmm. leave the kids alone, Stephen King.
1: For realsies. Ugh. But but he can't, and he won't.
0: No, he won't. But these are all so. new writers, so the fact is is that what do we have for kids in Castle Rock? they're all because i don't count the kid as a kid he's a grown-ass man
1: right and i mean so is willie probably i don't think he's like a teenager in high school or anything
0: no he's little willie but he's not little right and then i mean flashback young henry and young molly but i don't think that counts as you know i don't think i wouldn't count that as children other than that there's no kids in the whole goddamn town
1: Yeah, hopefully everyone's moved away.
0: No, they're either in the monkey house with the crazy court or nowhere.
1: Soon Zaleski's kid will be born into darkness. I mean, no dad, terrible town, and a bunch of fire.
0: Yeah, but I bet he gets a nice settlement.
1: Yeah. So I tried to come up with ideas of how him being a barber could be significant, and then I couldn't on my own, so I went to the Stephen King wiki, and pretty much all I found is that there was a barber in Rosematter... And that a place called Tull in the Gunslinger has a barbershop, a grocery store, and, like, a couple other sundry things. So yep. I don't know if the barbershop is significant in the Gunslinger, but...
0: It's not really, but the, the town okay. of Tull is. And mm-hmm. this is another one of those... I don't I don't even care about spoiling the first book, the Gunslinger, because it was written, like, 40 years ago, mm-hmm. so whatever. The... no, 30 years ago. Anyway, the gunslinger killed every man, woman, and child in Tull.
1: Yeah. So there that is was, no barber anyway.
0: That was, well, there was a barber when he got there, and there wasn't when he left. <laughs> he literally yeah. shot everybody in the town. Yikes. And they were asking for it, but. Oh. Um,
1: Yikes, retract it then.
0: Yeah, but it's, it's, it'll give you an idea of the gunslinger is good, but he's not nice and he's not kind.
1: Yeah. Okay, so then also in Desjardins' house, I tried to see if there was anything like significant or interesting in his hoard because there's a lot of crap stacked up in there. Pretty much the only thing though that I found other than the kennel that we had already mentioned was a crossbow which seemed kind of scary for a a barber to have but I guess he's out in the woods and maybe he's hunting deer or rabbits or whatever you hunt with a crossbow. Werewolves. I, I, I don't know. Okay. And then I promised all of you that uh, several episodes ago that I would get the values of particular parts of your body, at least according to North Carolina law, for compensation settlements like the one that Desjardins would have tried to defraud. So this is another sad installment of Hannah's completely unqualified legal corner. None of this should be interpreted as legal advice because I'm not a lawyer and you can't. Regardless, you can look up the North Carolina General Statutes and see that I am correct in saying that in an industrial uh, commission settlement, this is what you could expect. So, I of course had to do the stuff that Desjardins was hanging on to. Yep. So the value of a th- of a thumb, which not a thumb and forefinger is what he did. Mm-hmm. So a thumb you would receive at best sixty six and two thirds percent of your average weekly rate weekly wage. For seventy five weeks, you would get the payout of that for seventy five weeks.
0: Sixty six percent of what you make a week.
1: Yep, for seventy five weeks after the after the settlement.
0: That seems so arbitrary. Because what if your what if your job is super thumb centric? Like if you're well, an opera see, singer, you don't need your goddamn thumb.
1: Yeah, I think they're just kind of like using a general value system. Like your thumb is important. Now your forefinger is less than that. It's only sixty six and two thirds percent of your average weekly wage, and that's for forty five weeks.
0: Seventy-seven weeks.
1: Seventy-five.
0: Thumb. Oh, seventy-five for your thumb.
1: Yeah. So, like, if I made $10,000 a week, I'd get $6,600 a week for 75 weeks.
0: Also, if you yeah. made $10,000 a week, we would have way better production quality.
1: Yeah, because I could stay home and work on this all day. Say, yeah, I'd, I'd chop off my thumb
0: desktop. just to get a piece of it. The So, yeah. all right, now i got to ask, what's the peen worth?
1: There is no settlement listed for that that I could see. Now, maybe they're not expecting you to hurt that in a workers' comp type case, because this is for workers' compensation.
0: What if you work at a rodeo?
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, I suppose it could happen. Now, you know, it's possible We lost over it, because what I did is I took Desjardins' things. I made sure I got that, but then I also got what would be the most valuable settlements, both of those, and then one that I found interesting slash appalling. Bring it. So, some of the highest values are if you lose an entire arm you get 66% of your weekly wage for 240 weeks. So that's a few years. Yeah. Cuz obviously your like arm at is the huge shoulder? and if you lost. So what determines a whole arm is like more than 75% I think of like your upper arm. I mean, the huh. lower arm, the part attached to your hand. So they do have like scales for determining this, you know. Right. And partial loss of a fingertip can sometimes be interpreted as loss of the whole finger in the eyes of the settlement. Like, if you lopped off part of your thumb, it would still be, like, a thumb settlement, probably. So, the other one that was extremely valuable, and this makes a lot of sense, is if you completely destroy your back in the eyes of, like, the Industrial Commission, then you'd get 66 and two-thirds for 300 weeks. Hmm. That's a long time. Then, the thing that I found appalling was that if you had a horrible disfiguring facial injury, and they said gross disfiguration of the face, they will only pay up to $20,000. After that, you're fucked.
0: That's messed up.
1: And I feel like plastic surgery is mad expensive and like to fix up gross facial disfigurement, you would probably need more than $20,000, but what the hell do I know?
0: There's actually a really fun picture on Imgur of this guy that he had to have his tongue fixed because he got tongue cancer. The only place that they could get tissue from that was viable was his forearm. So now his tongue has a tattoo because Ah! his forearm had a tattoo and that was the skin they had to use. So that's kind of neat.
1: That is neat and also terrifying.
0: And you could not even get in the door for $20,000.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Seems messed up.
0: Especially, you know, doing a podcast. My face is one of the most important pieces of the whole show.
1: It's essential to our livelihood. If I
0: keep it hidden, the the money keeps rolling in.
1: (laughs) Right. Now, of course, there are other parts to workers' comp settlements. That's probably not the only money, but, you know, there you go. Right, My Hannah's completely unqualified legal corner. Ta-da! And last but not for least about people. episode four. I know! Gosh! I also just, the you know, that would be painful and ouchy. Hmm. I had a toenail fall off once and I thought it was awful.
0: The whole thing?
1: Yeah, it was right before prom, so I painted it and glued it back on for the night.
0: That's hardcore.
1: I know, right? I played <laughs> softball in high school and I got, like, stepped on.
0: So you I did plate. a sport?
1: I did! I was excellent at softball.
0: There you go, see?
1: Who knows why? I was the catcher, and I'm very thin, so it didn't make much sense. But what I'm are you going to do? do? You're going to paint your toenail and glue it back on for prom.
0: That's good thinking. That's really That really makes me happy for some reason. I don't know. Out of all the stories you've told, that's the one that made me think you were the coolest.
1: Eh, credit where credit is due. It was my mom's idea. I was busy crying hysterically.
0: <laughs> yeah, but you still acquiesced.
1: That's true. I did. Shouldn't Don't wear open-toed shoes is the lesson that we should all learn from this.
0: That's a lesson that everybody should know. I don't yeah. want to see your toes unless you're a lifeguard actively saving me.
1: <laughs> Even then, I'm probably not paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so this brings me to my observations about episode five. The first of which being that when Henry is in the MRI machine, he can hear the schisma a little bit because, of course, your senses are being deprived in an MRI. I don't know if any of you guys listening, probably a lot of you have had MRIs. And some people have panic attacks in them because of the sensory deprivation, yeah, and the small space, a little bit of column a a little bit of column B, yeah, so just thought that was intriguing.
0: I think it pops into his head in a bunch of different ways, and I think it's yeah I think it's affected him more than he's ever let on in the show so far, right, but then again, I guess it would be safe to assume he didn't know what it was until Odin explained
1: it. Yeah, exactly. He thinks it's that whatever weird ringing in his ears affliction he had when he was a teenager.
0: Except that that can't be it either, because one would assume that the father was giving him some type of information about what the fuck he was supposed to be listening for, no? Because wouldn't it be that sound?
1: (laughs) But he would have forgotten it. He forgot all of his memories. Oh,
0: right, right, right. Oh, yeah, Yeah. all right. Touche.
1: Amnesia, hell of a thing. I gotcha. Now seems like a good time for my brilliant Bible verse. Thing that I might not have mentioned. I didn't I don't remember if I mentioned it in episode six Redux. But anyway, the episode harvest made me think of Matthew three twelve, which says, excuse me, he will gather his wheat, but the chaff he will burn up with unquenchable fire. So that's very harvesty in theme. And also there's a lot of fires going on here in good old Castle Rock of yep. significance. So we have the the fire in the Needful Things shop way back when. We got the Christmas fire. We now know there's been a fire at the in- at uh, Juniper Hill at the institution where the kid was being kept, and of course we have the raging wildfire in Castle County. So, hmm. is the is the chaff being burnt away? Oh, there was a fire at Carrie's high school too, but we don't yep. know if that's a tie in or not.
0: I mean, the yeah. Overlook Hotel burned down. Yep, yep. The did
1: they did they say that Nan's luncheonette burned or that she was burned out like in a figurative way?
0: oh i don't know
1: yeah i don't remember quite either but
0: now that i think about it though and i mean it really matters god damn it i'm putting that on the list of questions is the needful things book not the needful things story canon is the book canon as it happened because didn't nans burn then
1: it, there may have been a fire then too but Jackie or I mean excuse me Diane talks about it to Henry too so
0: she I'm made not it sure. a fuck club but
1: yeah the, that that may be a good way to determine whether this is like the same universe that the needful thing book needful things book takes place in the
0: same where
1: yes exactly
0: yeah now i'm going to have to look that up yeah right. so
1: oh next and you know what else have...
0: i'll give you oh, one fire quote that actually mm-hmm. uh, Spoiler for The Stand, if you haven't read The Stand, get out for like (laughs) 25 seconds. When they get to Las Vegas, and they're going to be crucified by Flag, Lloyd, and Larry, Mm -hmm. and Ralph. Trash uh, trash Can Man comes back, and he's riding in his little trolley that has the nuclear bomb in it. And Flag had already made that little electric ball that killed um, the cook holy shit Hmm. holy shit hannah this is a crossover that i never even fucking thought of before there was a oh my what folks i'm gonna i have to look this up and then i may cut this part out so whatever so it sounds like i knew it off the top of my head Um, (laughs) i should be as good at the wiki as you, but
1: i'm not yes Nice aside, thank you to all of the contributors to the Stephen King wiki. It has been very helpful for me so that I do not have to go back and read all 600,000 Stephen King books and short stories that have been referenced so far.
0: If this turns out to be true, it's going to be pretty wild. Holy shit.
1: Well, tell me! I'm dying over here!
0: Okay, so the thing I was talking about, the fire in Los Angeles, uh, Los Angeles, in Las Vegas... There was a guy that stood up to because the first thing that the first thing that Flag was going to do, he he was going to draw and quarter Larry Underwood and and um, Ralph and Glenn, and this guy named Whitney Horgan jumped out in front of the crowd and said, "Everybody, you can't let this happen. Look what's look what's happening here. This ain't how Americans act, mm-hmm. and you can't do this stuff." Right. And nobody joined him. Right and flag made a little ball of electricity off the end of his finger and it burned his eyes shut and it burned his mouth shut and he burned his nose shut and he, he just suffocated because his thing was all burned mm-hmm. he was a former army cook okay the reason it had anything to do with um the reason it had anything to do with fire was the ball of electricity that flag made just kept getting bigger and bigger in the sky and when trash came man showed up with the with the nuclear bomb it went right for the cart and blew up las vegas that's yeah. how flag lost and the line mm. the line was and the righteous and unrighteous alike were consumed by that holy fire aha uh-huh. so now that is a important i mean that's the like a significant fire reference and the remember the forest fire is still heading towards castle rock, which is either going to pin everybody in or it's going to have some other kind of effect. But the reason that I like yipped so much about Whitney Horgan is because again, going back to the gunslinger
1: as everything seems to do,
0: there was a traitor, a traitor against the good man. No, he was working for the good man. He was, he was the opposite. The good man was the bad guy and the good man was actually also flag. So in this instance, hmm. it was a guy working for Flag who got caught and got killed, and he was a cook. Huh. So I never noticed that like kind of flip-flop before. But okay. yeah, Dax the cook worked for Flag and got killed, and Whitney Horgan the cook went against Flag and got killed. Hmm. Interesting.
1: Yeah definitely
0: Dick Halloran was a cook but he lived holy shit
1: you gotta stop doing that unless you're immediately gonna tell me what you're holy shitting about
0: he survived the black spot in it which was a fire Aha! holy macaroni
1: who's a cook in Castle Rock anybody? Ruth is always using a frying pan
0: but shittily
1: <laughs> yeah. she said
0: she doesn't even like the trout she just likes gutting them cause she's a freak
1: Oh yeah, speaking of Randall Flagg, by the way I went and did a little bit of reading on the Stephen King wiki And then it got me looking for characters in the show Who could potentially have the initials RF And the mm. only person is Ruth And I don't think Flagg has ever incarnate, reincarnated as a female At least so far as I can tell Not that I've seen, no Yeah, I didn't think so either So I think she's right out But, you never know, maybe there'll be somebody else
0: That's pretty dope Good day.
1: Yeah.
0: So in anyway, that was my dumb cook digression
1: Not dumb, neat In less interesting Stephen King crossovers, another character who had tinnitus, you know, in reference to the schisma, but probably not related, was Enslin in the short story 1408. He suffered from tinnitus. Yeah.
0: Well, that's fun. Haunted
1: hotel rooms. Just a fun little thing. Probably not necessarily related, but we like Easter eggs here.
0: Yeah. And we also like expanding our murder board, so whatever.
1: Aha! The crazy board.
0: (laughs) <laughs>
1: so, my next... I gotta stop saying so. This episode, sponsored by the word so. It's what I say when I'm thinking, because my high school English teacher tried to grind the like out of all of us, and we just replaced it with other words.
0: I do the editing. We get rid of... I get rid of so, and but, and um, and we still say like.
1: Ah, interesting how that works out.
0: Yeah, you know what?
1: Like, anyway. <laughs> but... um. I got to thinking about the chess pieces and now that I had time to marinate away from like rapidly trying to figure out what Ruth was doing with them, thinking about that chess pieces are a special kind of game piece in that certain pieces can only move certain ways. Yes. Except for the queen who can move as many spaces in whichever direction that she wants. The king can only move one space at a time, etc. etc. Now I wondered if Ruth was marking her place also to signify ways that she could move around in one area she could go wherever she wants but you know like the king can only one space at a time but maybe in other times that she's going to she can only move to a certain part of it she can only move this way or that way she can only do these things she can only repeat her actions you know what i'm saying
0: yeah that's interesting because the bishop can go unlimited spaces diagonally the rooks can go unlimited spaces forward and backwards and sideways um the knight the knights, who the fuck knows it's two then one or one then two. Right. They're the it only, can ones only that... It
1: moves in an L shape essentially. Yes.
0: Um and yeah that's pawns that is can only go
1: yeah, pawns can only go forward, but they can only take other pieces diagonally. Diagly. Yeah.
0: Huh.
1: So I want that to be significant somehow because it would be neat and have lots of layers, but yeah. no guarantees.
0: I'm gonna it's stick the, with it. Uh, it idea, it goes on the, the board. Yeah
1: it has merit. All of my ideas have merit. Who are they we?
0: all do. And they're going to go on. Listen, everybody. When you go to superficialgallerycom slash castle dash rock, you're going to see a bunch of these things because we're actually going to put them up so that, you know, people can talk to us about them and everything like that. Because there's I mean, there's a million Facebook groups, but Hannah can't go back to Facebook since, you know, the murders. And on Twitter, you can't keep a big list like that. It would just never work. So yeah, find us there.
1: Ta-da! Connect with us on the internet.
0: Yes. Or email us. Historical at gmail.com.
1: Yeah! So then I skipped a bunch of other stuff. We all know that that parole video is suspect. We all suspect it's an allegory for what the kid's about to do. hmm So, then I got to the flashback of Lacey, because obviously those are going to be some really intriguing moments. And he talks about... How the voice of God told him where he would stand at the quarry, and it got me to thinking that he may not be referring to the kid. Maybe it's whoever's talking to him, where whoever is telling him these things would stand at the quarry so that he can meet him and then discuss whatever sinister things he's going to get up to.
0: Well, now that's interesting.
1: Yeah, because I, in when you is... said
0: that earlier, I thought, oh, she just misspoke and I wasn't going to correct her. But now I realize that you were already, like, broadcasting in your your new idea. Interesting.
1: Yeah. I mean, and we still don't know where the quarry is. Right, exactly. We assume it's Castle Rock, but... It has to be. Maybe it's in Syracuse. It's the only other location we've really been to. (laughs) Yeah, so... And in this scene, I already said this earlier in the episode, but in this scene, there's something flickering in Lacey's pupils. It was hard to tell if it was actually green, but there's something weird going on there. So... I find it interesting that both the kid's eyes and Lacey's eyes are being affected in some way and that they're having interaction together and that they're ostensibly dealing somehow between them with the same entity. You know Hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. Are you picking up what I'm putting down?
0: Yes, I (laughs) am. I smell what the rock is cooking.
1: Ta-da! Wrestling move. Now, speaking of all this time nonsense and the kid's soap carving looking a lot like the one that 11-year-old Henry had in his hands... Did the kid give him that? Did the time shift and give it to 11-year-old Henry somehow? Did 11-year-old Henry somehow snatch it? Where is it the same figurine in all of these timelines? We at least know that the kid carved it. It looks exactly the same. I went back and looked. It's like this little man wearing a suit with his hands on his hips and standing up straight.
0: Yeah, it's weird. It is weird. And he's clutching it really tight like it's something that... Meaningful. Yeah, 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 Maybe he's,
1: you know, uh, foreshadowing of his mom's breadcrumbs technique. Hmm. Yes, indeed. Now, speaking of the kid bouncing around doing things, when he's walking towards the child's birthday party... The animal crackers in my soup song, it just really sticks in my craw unless it means something. So, of course, I started looking for me. Because otherwise, it's just such an odd mood for the scene. It's such an odd song. Uh, The kid who's having the birthday party would not be listening to this, I don't think. Unless,
0: unless, I don't know what people did in olden times that, uh, that may, I mean, but Happy Birthday was written a long time ago oh yeah you know but we don't have any proof that the kid can't isn't also unhooked from time and the right. fact that maybe the cage was keeping him from flipping
1: yeah so but he may have killed those song, people it's playing at this modern day kid's birthday in their house yeah but how
0: do so. we know it was modern
1: well I guess that's not well because it's Molly's sister and her kid it was it's Molly yeah it was Molly's sister and her husband and her kids
0: How did we know that? Really?
1: Yeah, I'm pretty damn certain it was. It looks just like him, and it's the same actress.
0: Well, wouldn't that have come up then in Molly's, like, if there was really a murder?
1: Well, but there wasn't a murder, I don't think. I think there was, like, a a domestic violence incident or something. And if nobody's going Hmm. to that person's house or something, maybe they could be dead for a few days and nobody would know. Kind of like the list murders. You never know.
0: True. Okay.
1: But maybe it's not. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. By all means. Imagine me being that meme that went around Twitter. Like, convince me otherwise. I'm sitting out here with my sign. Change my mind. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, all of that to say that the lyric about drowning the big bad wolf made me think about how the kid could potentially have caused Lacey's suicide, which was not really drowning, I guess, but no. it was more of a it was, was more of a that. heading.
0: His neck hole got filled with water, but that that was yeah.
1: the, not the Couple key of point of, tra- of that. And then. Hmm. At the end of the song, the line the last line we hear, when they're inside me, record scratch, and then it moves to the kid's face. And it got me all thinking about that Bible story about Levy and multiple identities, and yes, I'm a kid apologist. I'm just trying trying to make this work. You know? There's warring <laughs> identities inside him. There's multiple people. Oh
0: poor but you. Fake news. I think this is,
1: but this might be a good time to talk about Mrs. Acadia's theory, which also kind of supports me, that the kid may currently be a host for whose soul or whose identity?
0: Oh, that's right.
1: Yeah, we haven't talked about this yet.
0: No. Tell it. I like when you tell it. By the time I but, told it, I didn't like it.
1: it. It's your spouse.
0: Yeah, anyway, I know, I know.
1: the brilliant Mrs. Acadia has suggested that perhaps the kid is currently playing host to Reverend Deaver. Yeah. That he is a a reincarnation of sorts of Reverend Deaver, which is why he's putting on the clothes and listening to the sermon and sort of, like, wandering around familiarly in places that he shouldn't. Yep. And And. that would explain why he plays the piano, because, obviously, I think the Reverend played the piano. And he would play hymns, wouldn't he? Because he's, you know, a reverend.
0: 100%.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it could fit.
0: Then the timeline doesn't make sense, and that would mean that the the timeline... My crazy timeline that Mm -hmm. implies... That Henry had to die to create what was going to get created.
1: Mm-hmm. If,
0: if Henry or Henry's twinner. Oh, no, it would work if it was Henry's twinner. If Henry's right. twinner got killed and that's. No. Now, wait a minute. Something happens to Henry the night his father gets pushed off the cliff. Mm-hmm. The kid doesn't show up till later, which means that Lacey wasn't building his little uh, cage until later.
1: Yeah, until after Henry's reported missing, for sure.
0: And that, I believe, was the incorrect wanted poster, the missing poster, that said he hadn't been seen since Christmas, right?
1: I couldn't tell. It was too small. All right. But it is, it's Henry's missing poster.
0: Because that would also, if his Twitter was involved, then that might also explain why he was seen when he wasn't seen, even though I still think it was his parents not, uh, the mother right. not, like, reporting it. Because if right. she expected them to be gone for a while, no, because the, the, the father came right back. All right. Well, Mrs. Axe theory that he's channeled the reverend makes mm-hmm. sense to me. And it would also make sense if the kid stuff happened after Deaver died, which meant that the ritual to like put him in the kid had to get done. Yeah, because here's the other piece of this puzzle and it, this just clicked in my head, and it's stupid because it's been staring us in the face, or staring me in the face, And you're probably going to be like, doy. Um, the fuck took Henry if the reverend was all broken?
1: Well, yeah, if indeed Henry was taken and didn't, like, accidentally go somewhere or something. Because he went running off into the woods, scared.
0: Right. And, but and we still be... don't
1: know if Henry's what pushed him. What if something came through, whatever Henry did, and pushed the reverend? Because, you know i've always been thinking like how did the reverend write that note you saw how bandaged up he was maybe pangborn's burying the lead on something for henry too
0: well i still think that the note meant not that he did it as in pushed him i still think it meant right that he did it as in he achieved what he wanted to achieve because yeah. i think if anything pangborn yeah, and... pangborn would have been on team deaver more than he would have been on team lacy i think oh
1: yeah i think so too And Molly says she knows what happens in the woods Because she felt what he felt But you could feel terror and guilt About something entirely other than You pushing your dad off a bluff Yeah, It could be, crap, I let a monster Through a hellhole or something like that That would make me feel terrified and guilty Mm Hmm. Hmm. Anyway, that's the theory I think you can make it work I think you can make a lot of things work And, you know, we don't know enough To be like, nah I think it's a good theory
0: I think it's a good theory, and thank you for it. And also, shout out to Dame Meow for being the first to give us the scoop that Hulu was renewed. I mean, Hulu had renewed Castle Rock, even though by the time this show airs, that will have been like 17 months ago, but whatever. Um, I like when people know that we want to know this kind of stuff. And also assume that we might have other stuff to do than just stare at the internet all day.
1: Yeah, I wish that's all I had to do. Yeah. Dame Meow, pretty... I know a real life cat named Chairman Meow, and I think it's funny.
0: Aw. <laughs> That's awesome. But
1: also arguably maybe in poor taste. Who knows?
0: Eh,
1: it's a <laughs> cat. So then the the last thing I had for episode five was that I think it's important to note that in the tiny little radio broadcast about the wildfire, other than the fact that wildfires in Maine are like not a thing, please They're confirm not. for they, me,
0: they are not a thing.
1: Yeah. that. The fire source couldn't be explained, that it spread unusually fast, and that traditional firefighting methods aren't working. I believe this points to the supernatural nature of the fire. That yeah. it's been caused by something that is not a regular thing. Also, yeah. it's the middle of winter in Maine and it's been snowing a lot, so nothing's dry. I mean we've seen well, the
0: snow. No, it's it's still fall, right?
1: Oh that's true. But it rained. It rained recently. We watched yeah, it, it rain, rain at the funeral. Anyway, yeah, and, it's not dry. It's, nope. it's, my it rains not and it for a wildfire.
0: there's no such thing as a drought in maine that i've ever experienced it just doesn't happen it's too far north
1: yeah the weather's weather's too freaking freaky yep and then we move on to episode six and since we just talked about it i don't have a ton of new and fresh observations but i did do some sciencey stuff about the whole music of the spheres slash yeah um, i
0: i'm interested to hear that my
1: deal as I said, there are a lot of sciency people in my life, not sound sciency people, but people who understand science. And I did do a tiny bit of reading about this musica universalis or now excuse my latin which is not good, or the music of the spheres. And this was a real philosophical concept that existed in ancient times and it was used to explain the movement of the heavens in terms of some sort of force that was like a cosmic music, a, a physical thing but that you know and the music of the spheres is, is a lyric that appears in at least one hymn in the christian church that i can think of that song this is my father's weird this is my father's world right where it goes all nature sings and round me brings the music of the spheres so mm-hmm. that's an old one i don't remember who wrote that but it's one of my favorites very pretty song um so yeah this is a real deal thing now obviously this does not. This is not an idea that is circulating today because we understand how heavenly bodies move and things like that. And it's not nearly as romantic as Musica Universalis makes it sound. But it's interesting, and it proposed the idea of you know specific orbital resonances and sounds for movement and whatever. Nito, there's a kitty talking.
0: Yeah, that's cat. <laughs> he, he's, he's on so, the show. Come on, Church. The whole-
1: The whole sound musical concept is very intriguing i think it's also important to kitty (laughs) sorry you guys can't you guys can't see the cat but there's a cat um that schisma is a real musical term really it is an act it is an actual musical concept now i did have to read about it it's not like i just knew this but i have played the violin for a very long time and am familiar with some music theory Right. Anyway, a schisma is the difference between eight justly tuned. Now, justly tuned means a tuning frequency of small whole numbers, because frequency isn't isn't often in whole numbers necessarily. Okay, um, and that's related to the concept of harmonics. So, eight justly tuned perfect fifths plus a justly tuned major third and five octaves. So, the significance of all of this being that the frequency is in whole numbers, very small whole numbers that a harmonic is a specific sort of resonance on any instrument like for example a harmonic when i would play a violin is two two places on each of the four strings where i can just touch a string without pushing down on the fingerboard and it will still make a sound so, so it's a very spe- it's a specific resonance on the string a sweet spot if you will where you can make a sound without pushing against the fingerboard which you otherwise have to do to make an actual note on a violin
0: so are you telling me that you could Use your violin to schisma on the uh, on the audience?
1: Yeah, that's the only reason I'm not late to work every morning. <laughs> Open so, portal, go to work.
0: Nice. But ca- could you? Like, is it sound that you could make?
1: Well, see, now that's what I'm wondering is, like...
0: What do you need, like, eight people?
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't think we could produce this sound, only that, like, the idea of a harmonic and that the schisma is only really hearable at specific or it is strongest at specific places kind of relate Right. so That's when really... I was talking about all of this with the sciency types trying to talk about it they observed that it sort of reminded them of structural resonance frequency too the idea that there's a particular so think about when you're pushing someone on a swing if you just push it random it's not going to be efficient but if you get the rhythm of exactly when the swing is at its peak it will be, you'll get the most out of it. You'll get the most right. waves. That's kind of similar to what structural resonance frequency is in that it would be a frequency that would cause the material or whatever, like a bridge to collapse because it vibrated at this specific frequency or to move most efficiently because it vibrated at that structural resonance frequency.
0: That was the concept that felled that bridge. And there's footage of it. It, like a, it got all wavy before mm-hmm. it collapsed. There's actually a bridge that it's when you when you mentioned structural resonance, um, it reminded me of it. There was an actual bridge disaster. Um,
1: ah, well, there you go. So, so while you're looking that up, it's like, yeah. what if this is a specific frequency that like allows these planes of existence to open up to each other, or something? That's wild. Or timelines to sync up, or something like that.
0: So now this is not going to be. This is not for the show. We'll put it in the show notes, and you won't hear Hannah watching it, but it's the Tacoma Bridge in 1940.
1: Work, you stupid computer. Okay. Oh, my God. It's like... Wow, that's crazy. It really bucked.
0: That's structural resonance bridge collapse.
1: Yep.
0: And we're going to put the video in the show notes for this episode, because if you've never seen it, holy macaroni, it's It's nuts. crazy
1: to look at.
0: And it shows yeah. the power of what could happen when these things line up correctly.
1: Yeah, the power of sound. I yeah. well... Of frequency, rather. Now, to make us sound unsmart, all of this talk of sounds that make things happen made me think of the... I think it's still the mythical concept of the brown note that I really want to exist. The <laughs> specific sound that will make people crap their pants, and I kind of just hope that somebody makes this joke about the schizma, or that the shitsma will become...
0: Oh, schitzma
1: ...a concept. It's gonna be a podcast hat now, but, uh...
0: That's a yeah. great idea.
1: Then I had to do a little bit of reading about the idea of the brown note. I don't remember if that's actually what it's called, but that's it what is exactly
0: what it's called. And the MythBusters busted it. Damn. Yeah, unfortunately. I
1: mean, we just haven't found the right thing. <laughs> I believe I want instead of that kind of poster like Mulder had. Mine's just the poop emoji with "I want to believe." It. <laughs>
0: Oh, that makes me happy.
1: It's just such a, it's just such a, I mean, I realized that they wanted to use it as a horrible, like, war tool, but I just think it's a funny concept. Yeah,
0: it really is.
1: It's like the scientist's version of putting your friend's hand in water. It's great.
0: Yep. It really is. I, you
1: can hmm. just imagine some nerd being like, but what if I had a sound that would make, you know, Buck or whatever the jock who's picking on his name crap his pants? Yeah. It's great. Perhaps it's a, great
0: a perhaps a young violinist inside kid named hannah who wanted to be able to go and show all those bullies what for
1: (laughs) no yes absolutely
0: although one would presume it would also happen to you
1: well no that's the key you gotta wear the earplugs the day that you do the whole brown note thing you know all right so anyway multiverse sound shit theory all that good stuff Okay, I think that about covers us, at least for now, on things that I had yet to observe or new observations that I had. Do you have anything before we move on to, as you called it, my Hogwarts scroll-sized list of unanswered questions?
0: <laughs> I think that the themes that I'm, the, the theme that I'm getting most out of the show right now is people keep looking the other way. They've mm-hmm. hammered that over our heads a lot. But I also think that it can't just be that there has to be a reason why there has to be a reason why this stuff doesn't get talked about. There has to be a reason why everybody keeps referencing the dog and the serial killer, but not Uh the town burning down, which would Mm -hmm. presume that Needful Things was not the same level of event in this where. That would make the list, I would think. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially since it was supposedly happening, at least the book was was published, the year they're talking about, the 1991 thing.
1: Mm -hmm. Right.
0: Holy shitsky. What was Needful Things?
1: When was it published or when did it... No, what did they say it was? Oh, I don't remember off the top. The
0: last Castle Rock story.
1: Oh, yeah, the last Castle Rock story in that universe.
0: that Castle Rock story. Ha ha! That's possible. I'm putting that on my board.
1: All right, You made me remember one more thing. Because you talked about dogs. That, um, there is is the idea of dogs, particularly a large black dog, being symbolic of death. The idea of Grimm is not just from Harry Potter. That is an actual part of Scandinavian and European folklore. Um, The idea of a large black dog that is an ill omen. Really? Uh, Yes. Interesting. Called the church grim when talked about in folklore. The English church grim usually takes the form of a large black dog, but it guards churches from the profane, like witches and warlocks, and the devil himself.
0: hmm
1: <laughs> Yeah. But it can also be considered an omen of death. It was uh for this purpose it was often a custom to bury a dog alive under the cornerstone of a church so that its ghost might serve as a guardian. There was a dog buried in frickin' Ruth's yard.
0: Wow.
1: Wow indeed.
0: Hmm. I don't even know what to say about that. I don't that's... either.
1: When a when a new churchyard was opened, it was believed that the first person buried there had to guard it against the devil. In order to prevent a human soul from having to perform this duty, a black dog was buried as a substitute. Duty. Yeah. So that's referenced oh. a lot in the literature, too.
0: That's fascinating. So I think my them- I mean, obviously I have my wingnut theories about what's happening in the town and everything like that. And I think if there's a if there's an end game in it it's understanding that there's something in castle rock that needs to be protected or there's something in castle rock that needs to be destroyed because those are the only they're really the only two things that it could be so the protection is simple in in a lot of instances it's you know you got to protect De, uh, Ted Browd like like we talked about in the in the episode six recap, because he was a breaker. You've got to you know get rid of the big bad, which is Flag, who destroyed the whole world. There's a lot right. of things like that. So what is if it's as simple as Castle Rock is has a thinny, so it's like Sunnydale with the Hellmouth, so that you know bad shit was always happening because there was a, a way for bad shit to get into yeah. the town and the town developed a defense mechanism of just looking the other way. That's viable. I don't think the whole town is over some kind of spell or anything like that. I think that it's it's also, this is being written in a time where isolationism is a factor in our lives. It's affecting our politics. It's affecting our economy. All this idea of, I'm not going to worry about anybody else. I'm just going to take care of myself and my own Mm -hmm. is a social construct right now. For good or ill, there are plenty of people that think that way. And Zaleski making the appeal to Henry doing what's good for good's sake and getting denied took away all of his hope. So, the motivations behind these characters, and I will, until they show me 100% the opposite, Pangborn has a plan. Yeah. It's not a plan to save the world, but I think he has the town's best interest at heart. He never left. It's not just because of Ruth, because for all we know, for all we know, Hannah, he knows what the fuck Ruth is, and that's right? why he's there.
1: Well, he's doing a good job pretending like it's not that.
0: I mean, but he could, he could love her and know that he's going to end up that's having true. to kill her. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, it's that's important. And I don't think if Henry can hear the schisma and it's given him obviously no benefit, it's been more of a curse than than a than a a boon.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's
0: tragic. But I think Pangborn legitimately cares about both Henry and Ruth. And I think mm-hmm. that just because of his nature, if he had to walk over their corpses to do what he had to do,
1: right? And I, you know, as much as Pangborn may be, you know, in on everything, he doesn't know everything. Everything, you know. No, there's no, there's no, no, no story no. and the real story. Yeah, a wonderful fact to reflect upon. That yeah, you know, you every, know what? I'm glad human creature.
0: I'm I'm glad that you bring that up every once in a while because that was hammered as a theme. You know, so it's uh, no, that's good. Good job. Yeah,
1: it's that whole Dickens thing. You know, every human creature is constituted to be that profound secret to every other. Oh, You never like know that. everything about everybody.
0: I like that. Well, yeah, Captain The Tale of Two too. Cities
1: is my favorite book.
0: Oh, one really? One of my
1: favorite books. Yeah.
0: You mean the one with the twinners?
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> there is some of that. in There isn't there. Ah, <laughs> oh, nice. Sydney Carton makes me cry. Oh, Alcoholics who get redeemed.
0: Want to know something dying. fun? Yes. I... One of the times when I was in London, I was with my brother, and he insisted on eating at this restaurant. And he always gets a bee in his bonnet about that kind of stuff. And he knows a bazillion times more about every single thing in the world than I do. But he was like, "No, let's go." Yeah, he's like, "Go to this restaurant. Go to this restaurant." I'm like, "Why?" He's like, "Just trust me." So we went, and the first fun thing about it was. Anything that you ordered meat-wise had been captured or trapped or shot in that restaurant's game preserve in the north of England that morning. Whoa. So whatever they had in the menu, menu was based on however well they did that morning. You know, when they, So if you were getting rabbit something, it was a rabbit that had... No. Just had other plans that morning, but that's sorry. Not the we reason only I...
1: have vegetables today. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> the but that's not even why it's the reason why I'm even talking about it is it was Charles Dickens's favorite restaurant, oh,
1: and it's how been cool. the
0: same restaurant that entire time.
1: That's cool.
0: Yeah, it's really really neat.
1: I always thought it would be a neat restaurant concept to have entrees themed after famous works of literature, but. Since I've worked in restaurants, I know that it's a terrible thing to do, and I'll never open my own restaurant.
0: Yeah, so. that seems very difficult.
1: For those of you who have never worked in a restaurant who think owning a restaurant is your dream, it's not. Don't do it. That's bad. I used if to. If you've a worked cook. in restaurants and it's still your dream, then go for it.
0: Yeah, I used to be a cook. Neat. So.
1: Yeah, basically, or a more tender server.
0: It sounds like I'm super interesting and I do all these things, but in actuality, apparently I was just bad at most of them and then had to go do something else.
1: (laughs) Hey, cover story, real story. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Just like that creepy parole video. You can be anybody you want to be.
0: Damn straight.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's going to come back, isn't it? Let's do this question thing. All right. I'm trying to do this mostly in order of like where the question occurred, but... Might not be true. So, my first big question why does Molly use a timer when she looks at the things in the box in her basement?
0: Very I think that's, good. That's got to be. Can you type fast? In...
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, I
0: can't. So, I'm just going to wait for you to type them afterwards. Yeah, I'll I'm type not going to try and do it while you do it.
1: Less important question Molly wears the same two necklaces every damn day, all the time. Are they significant? Do they have meaning? I want to know. Did Might someone give them
0: to her? Old boyfriend, something like that.
1: Right. Or like is a feather symbolic of something that I don't know.
0: Or did Henry give it to her and he doesn't remember?
1: Ha, who knows. Did Molly's dad, who we haven't yet seen, give them to her? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who is Warden Lacey's brother?
0: Where did we that even find out he had a brother?
1: When he committed suicide in the mascot costume off the roof of the high school. <gasps> oh,
0: dur, Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: That's gotta be something more mm-hmm. than it was. Yep. What is Polly's significance in this timeline, if any? Because everybody who's read Needful Things and who now knows that Pangborn's in here is asking this question. It's possible they broke up, you know? Yeah. But I want to know. Who, what are the identities of the other bandaged people in Molly's dream? Are they past members of the Church of Incarnation? Are they all residents of Castle Rock who have died? Want to know. Who are they? Are they just background characters who don't mean anything? No,
0: I think they're members of the cult. I think they're members of the cult. I don't think everybody in the church was in the cult, but I think everybody that was in the cult was in the church.
1: Agree. Strong agree on that one. What is on the tape that Henry burns? Dated November 23rd, 1989. Mm -hmm. Also, why does he burn it? I mean, if we know what's on the tape, we'll know why he burns it, but still. They are related. Who broke into Molly's house? That requires a physical body to do. Yep. One would think.
0: And what were they looking for?
1: Yes, exactly. Who called the police on Molly when she was doing that drug deal after the paper mache court thing? That was not a coincidence.
0: Nope. Was Somebody not. was
1: trying to stop her from doing something and get her arrested or held or what have you.
0: It couldn't have oh. been as dumb as
1: I don't want her putting... to be on TV.
0: Yeah, but also it couldn't have been as silly as putting her in a situation where she would meet um Henry. Henry. Because she he already met to be... him. it's like Yeah, but to be there at the jail that morning You know what I mean? That just seems too dumb.
1: Yeah, exactly. right. Uh, let's see here. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I guess how much does Pangborn know about what the Reverend was up to with Henry? How much does Ruth know?
0: Yeah. How much does Ruth know?
1: Have Henry and the kid met before? because it's possible that they have and henry just doesn't remember if so where and when did they meet the kid seems to he's like is it happening you're supposed to know what's going on it would imply that there's some sort of familiarity there
0: yep he's asking him questions that he assumes henry knows the answers to
1: is the scar on henry's abdomen that's mentioned on his missing poster significant for a reason other than that it would be an identifying feature
0: or if he doesn't have one we know it's the twinner.
1: Right. There you go.
0: Am I just am I just like confirmation biasing the shit out of everything by turning it into a twinner uh twinner thing?
1: Well, you're not confirmation biasing me because I haven't read the stuff, so Fair. I allow it as a completely unbiased party because I haven't read it, I think it has merit, so
0: Yeah. I think the still- idea of people being able to not be where they were Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: To what extent did Molly see and interact with Henry after he was found? Why did their relationship change?
0: Yep. And why didn't it. Why did No Memory Henry not have a relationship with her? Right. Yeah,
1: so was it awkward thing where it's like, I don't know who you are, or like, did she just stop trying because she knows what happens and she didn't want to interact with him anymore?
0: (sighs) You know what? That just shoots it in the ass, though, because if Henry was lying about, eh, I may have just blown up my own theory because of Molly, because Mm -hmm. if Henry were lying about having no memories prior to the incident, Molly would know. Right, because right? she knows all of his thoughts, so I'm sure that it would have crossed his mind from time to time. Oh, I got to keep faking like I don't remember shit. So that kind of throws that. And also, if he was a twinner, theoretically, she would have known from the
1: jump. Yeah, something's up. Anyway, something changed, and I still think he might have gone away to boarding school or something and been away, or she went away. for a while after that I don't know who or what is the entity communicating with Lacey because I am now pretty damn certain it's different than the schisma thing
0: 100%
1: Yeah, and he didn't say it
0: was did he say it was in a dream do you remember
1: no he just said like it spoke to him he was on fire with the Holy Spirit when you know at that time I was on fire with the Holy Spirit which is like one of my least favorite Christianese phrases.
0: Yeah. Holy Ghost is better.
1: Yeah, that's true too. <laughs> There's some other ones that come up from time to time where I'm like, I see why non Christians would be like, What the heck are you people talking yeah, about?
0: People are whacked out.
1: Okay. Next. Oh uh, oh we sort of touched on this. Are like are all the church members cult members or are all the cult members church members? And I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure it's all the cult members are church members. Which yeah. Opens up the potentiality that Jackie knows a whole hell of a lot more than she's letting on. Like,
0: Yeah, if but if it wasn't cult. Church V one You know, she wasn't a, right. she wasn't an OG.
1: Which brings me to a later question. Does the new pastor know what was going on before? Is he a hmm. schisma a schismatic or whatever we're gonna call these people?
0: Schismatic. That Let me refer sounds... to the schismatic.
1: Right, exactly. It's weird. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Is Bandage Priest Reverend Deaver? Like, fully bandaged guy. Is that Reverend Deaver? Or is it some more powerful being in yeah, terms of? Is it, uh, well,
0: uh, if it's Rev- it can't be Reverend Deaver if the kid is Reverend Deaver.
1: That's true. So then who is Bandage Priest? Yeah. Who's BP? I want to know. <laughs> I just like to make up stupid names for everything. Was Mrs. Deaver awake when Molly killed Reverend Deaver?
0: Hmm. That's a good one.
1: Because that has a ton of meaning, if indeed she was.
0: Yeah, it really does. That's huge.
1: Speaking of huge questions, what the fuck is in the Lacey's basement?
0: That's... Obviously now, I think, Mrs. Lacey.
1: Well, (laughs) she's stuck down there then. I mean, not. Exactly. Let the poor woman out. Yep. Yeah. Is it the reverend who's haunting, quote, quote, the Deaver house? Who was the shadow looming over Henry when he was dreaming? Is it Bandage Priest? Is it his mom? It It's meant to seem as if it's some sort of supernatural thing. So it's like, is the reverend's ghost hanging out there? I mean, obviously I don't think it's a ghost, but you guys know what I mean. Yep. How is the reverend going to be reincarnated? Like, what what are, what's the extent of his reincarnation? Did Henry's parents lie about how long he had been missing? Valid. Yeah.
0: Did they lie where about
1: is...
0: their kids? <laughs> yeah. Or the failure to have one.
1: Right. Yeah. What what really happened with the potential sibling of Henry's, you know? What's mm-hmm. what's Ruth's story, re biological children? Um where is Mrs. Lacey? That's one of my questions. Yeah. I mean, I just want to know. I, I do her back. Is she in peril? Probably not. I mean, she's probably just gone to the Poconos or something because her husband just died and she's trying to sell her house. But...
0: This is gonna sound really fucking stupid, but I used to live in the Poconos. I swear. I don't to God.
1: actually know what the Poconos are. I've just heard oh, you don't people say it. Is it New um, York?
0: It no, it's it's okay. Pennsylvania. If okay. you go from <clears throat> you just go out of New York City across the George Washington Bridge and essentially turn right drive all the way through New Jersey, and then you get to the Pennsylvania border, and there's a very beautiful thing called the Delaware Water Gap, and then there are the Pocono Mountains. And they are ah. famous mainly for super cheesy honeymoon resorts with, like, you can get a mm-hmm. champagne glass-shaped tub and a big, round, bearskin bed that revolves and that kind of, you know, kitschy stuff.
1: Oh, rat, oh, rat, oh, yeah so let's see here next who is pangborn really protecting is it himself is it lacy is it henry is it ruth is it all of the above who knows yeah is there some agency or body monitoring the events of castle rock outside of castle rock because we've had characters come in from the outside like odin branch and, like, the Des Moines history teacher, and I want to know if that's part of some larger thing. You know, and we we did mention this in the original episode 6, but we didn't in Redux, that if there are scientists discussing theories like the kind that Odin is discussing, you can sure as hell bet that the government is also somehow tuned into this as well, and that they are monitoring it somehow. Yeah. Very, like, you know, x files sort of thing. Yeah. So... What kind of interference will that represent later on? Were they going to address it? I don't know, but I want to know. Yep. Because like surely it. Odin posted it on Reddit or something.
0: <laughs> Wait a minute. What did Odin and Willie show up because they knew Henry was there, and if or because so, the
1: Reverend was being reburied,
0: right? Or were they no? Because he was there. They were there for the dedication ceremony too.
1: Mm, that's had nothing true to do with the reverend yeah what brought them back to castle rock or, or did they ever leave to castle rock yeah they were friends so like how did they meet too yeah. how did he and the reverend meet
0: yeah maybe the they significance... met on the forum yeah with they... <laughs> they yeah subreddit skizmo
1: tonight Tinnite... yeah. tinnitus <laughs>
0: <laughs> i think that wherever they came from they're not the only ones that are doing what they're doing
1: Right. But, so there has to be some larger thing going on.
0: Yeah. Uh, another thing added to the list who are Henry's birth parents.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. His
0: biologicals. And yeah. is it Odin?
1: Where are they from? Mm-hmm.
0: Will his wife become a character?
1: Right. They did you know? give her a name. Will Henry's
0: ex become a character? Yes. Because that seems like the kind of thing where it just in in the way TV shows work. Her coming back and then all of a sudden Henry getting, oh no, what do I do? And then there's a thing between Molly and and the ex and that kind of thing. And Wendell's all, you know, cooked up into it.
1: Right. Castle Lake has to be significant too, you know. Now that I think about it, sound filtered through water is a unique concept too, so. And then I think getting towards the end then may in fact be the last. It's just that I haven't copied some from episode six. Is that what is the kid's true nature? I mean... It's obviously a broad question, but it's an important one.
0: That is the, that's the end of the line. Yeah. You know?
1: I mean, that'll reveal a lot. Does he really not have a name or is he resisting telling his name? Cause you know, you think about it, what's required for an exorcism in a lot of movies is like, you have to know the demon's specific name.
0: Yes. That's very true.
1: You know, Rumpelstiltskin, you had to know his name. Names have power. Is the kid withholding that information or is he really just some sort of empty vessel that just gets filled with whatever and he doesn't have a name? I don't think that's so, true. Fine. What's the kid's name? There's been a whole lot of hoopla about what it is. So that's one of the questions too. What's the kid's name?
0: And it's not Nick Cage.
1: It better not be Pete or something stupid.
0: I would like to add, why did, why did Pangborn make such a big deal out of saying that it was not just a kid, a boy in the trunk? Yeah, why
1: are, why are what, you playing that What up? the
0: hell did he look like when he was in the goddamn trunk? Based on Pangborn saying you haven't aged a day, does nobody know what a boy is? <laughs> like there are no yeah. six foot four boys.
1: Is that just a, an, a like an old people thing? I know
0: no. it's it can't be. It can't be. It makes no sense.
1: Where is the quarry?
0: Yeah, where is the quarry? Is the
1: quarry is it seems pretty important. And what is the crazy story that Lacey references when he's talking to the kid? That crazy story you told me the first day in here.
0: Yep. That's, I want to know. That's a big deal. I that's heckin' screamed when they
1: skipped right past that. I'm like, are you serious right now? Seriously? Mm-hmm. They're just gonna breeze right past that. <sighs> yes.
0: So, I just... While you mentioned the thing about the military being involved, etc. Yeah! You, uh, You made me think of something. And what I did was... Mm-hmm. I looked up the, the little bit of the map that they show in the opening credits.
1: Oh, is there a quarry on there?
0: No, but there is. Oh. Shout out to Waterville, which is the like basically the town that my father's people are from, um, mm-hmm. which is further north, and Castle Rock is west of it. But to the south of Castle Rock is a town called Bridgeton. Bridgeton is a really quaint little town and Stephen King used to live there in real life, and there was a movie theater there called The Magic Lantern, and it had the distinction of always being the first theater to show a Stephen King movie whenever it got released. Right. And it was just this little teeny tiny theater, obviously not a chain or anything like that. But the reason I even bring any of this up is, written in pen, below Bridgeton, red ink, Arrowhead. Hmm. Arrowhead was the project that created the mist, and the base that it was Aha! spawned from was called... It was a town, but the I don't know what the name of the base was, but the town was called Shaymore. Now, Shaymore is not on the map, but right. but the Arrowhead is. So right. the idea of the government being involved, Arrowhead is a very specific thing. Right. And then Haven... Which we know, at least in the TV show Haven, and I haven't read The Colorado Kids, so I kind of want to go back and and read through it, because that's what that entire thing was based on. Yeah. Um, That is right south of of Derry, and I think that's where the, the UFO crashed in Tommyknockers. Okay. But conspicuously not on the map is Jerusalem's Lot.
1: Ah, indeed.
0: It's just not. Interesting. It would be, I think it would be a little based on based on where the map is supposed to be. I think it would be a little further South, but that's interesting.
1: All right. Yeah. So I've also got, when did Pangborn actually come back to be with Ruth? Yeah. That is that significant? Um, does the kid amplify the potential for chaos or does he directly cause it? Like what's his, that goes into what's his true nature, but it kind of disseminates it a little bit, breaks it down into simpler questions. Mm-hmm. You know. mm-hmm. where did young Henry get the white figurine yep. if it's the same figurine yep. here's one that we haven't really talked about that much what is the gunfire incident that Pangborn refers to when he's telling Henry about coming back to be with his mom he was telling the story and then it was like he got the called because of gunshots. shots fired and she said don't leave me and that's when he stayed so and what was said, that incident and
0: he said she looked really rough or something along those lines. Yeah, she was
1: terrified. What was that gunfire incident? I yeah. want to know. Let's see. This is more kid apologist questions that I had.
0: <laughs> Why don't people understand that the kid is good?
1: Why won't people side with me on this potential good kid thing?
0: <laughs> you know, that would be yeah. a good idea. You should just do a poll on Twitter. Maybe I'll do a poll for you.
1: Yeah, I mean, I know I've got bias going on, but... That's all right. I've got, who taught the kid to play the piano, but the Reverend Deaver identity thing would answer that for us. Yes, it would. Because I was thinking, like, he was remembering how to play the piano, like, because somebody taught him, but it could just be because he's Reverend Deaver. Right. Yeah. Why did Pangborn pull Lacey over? What offense did he commit that triggered that? Or what was Pangborn's reasoning?
0: True. Speed did in the snow. Did he just have a tail
1: light out? Because that would be kind of lame.
0: Yeah, but he wouldn't, have, he wouldn't when... have stopped a guy on the job for that. Right, and why
1: did Pangborn trust him so easily?
0: That's that's a huge one for me because that oh yeah their previous relationship matters a great deal because I don't believe it could just be that you know he was on the job per se.
1: Right. Less importantly, the hymn that the kid was playing on the piano. I feel like if we found out what it was, that the lyrics could potentially be significant. I tried to Shazam it; it didn't work.
0: Fair enough. You tried. If,
1: any, if anyone's a church organist who listens to this <laughs> show, you're probably not because we're filthy and have, you know, trucker language. You know, if you know that hymn, I would really love to know what it was.
0: Yeah, that would be good. And All I know is, sounds hymy. Thematically, this occurred to me when I was thinking about how stupidly proud I am at how well I cut the Ave Maria song with the, t- with the cassette tape in the in the opening song that we have yeah that like it starts the vocal part when when he puts the tape in but is it significant that the tape has been stuck so that
1: oh yeah so that hours is stuck. Also
0: yeah like he's stuck yeah. whereas ruth is the opposite of stuck
1: right she can't freaking stay put right even though she wants to well, that's a pretty good segue into what looks like my final question. Where else has Ruth left chess pieces? The king is not the only piece that's missing. Very true. And we know she's looked at the... Well, there was one in
0: Henry's bedroom. Um, there was definitely right. one in Henry's bedroom because when he went in, he picked it up off the, uh, off the shelf. And I thought that was why I thought it was the white thing he had in his hand when he was a kid. Mm-hmm. So We know
1: now that they're not part of a set
0: No, but that I am 99% sure There was one
1: Where did Odin get Willy comes to mind Like has he Did he only come on board as an adult Or like what's his deal Seems like a pretty important question We did an
0: episode of Strangeville where A guy put an ad on a message board Saying I want to cook and eat somebody So if you're interested come to my house And someone did
1: Yeah, Armin Muse yeah we
0: talk about that that's right I forgot damn
1: yeah I mean Craigslist is a weird place but still begs the question where'd he come from I guess last but not least does Lacey have any connection to the stigma if so what is it
0: yep and that's I all think... she
1: wrote folks those are my big questions big and small oh I forgot perhaps the most important one who is fat Tony but I don't think that's gonna ever be answered
0: I think it will because I think it's the it's syracuse an ambitious... mob has long arms.
1: It's an ambitious Simpsons crossover, and we found out where Springfield really is. It's somewhere near Syracuse, New York. (laughs) Oh,
0: I love these deep dives. Like, the super, super deep dives. And I love the idea of us just posting all these questions so people can start taking wax at them in the comments. I think that's going to be super, super fun.
1: It'll make your emailing us easier, because we've already told you what we want to know.
0: Yep. And, well, actually, speaking of that, I've realized since we have to make sure that we show our fans that we are appreciative, I am going to... By the way, and you're going to check me on this, did I say anybody who emailed that week, out of those I would pick and somebody would get a set of Strangeful Things cards, right? Yes. Okay. So then we're going to have to, I'm going to rely on you being the organized, smart one to like do the drawing or whatever like that so that i know and mrs act doesn't count because she's sick of them they're all over the place um thanks times a million to everybody that has um, rated and reviewed us on itunes it is a huge help we are now one, two, three, four, five, six. Oh, three four five six oh we're back down to eight for castle rock but you know who's in fourth Our bff's castle rock critical And they are super, super great, and I love them a ton. But if you do feel like giving us a review and a rating, it would be amazing. And I would like to thank, let's see, Jordan Pond, Outdoor Jenny, JBD619, Kenny Lost His License. (laughs) Aw, Kenny. Beans, Jen Martinelli, who you'll know from Strangeful Things, Babbling. And me. So that doesn't really count. I was just trying to get the ball rolling. So um We're sad. Hey, you know what? I've done it every time I've started one, you know, you gotta put something in there. And since my name is in the my username, I don't feel like it's cheat. Otherwise I'd be getting, you know, all my cousins and stuff to do it. But um uh, right. I think that if you can do it, it it makes a huge, huge difference. And we're really just doing that because we wanna, you know, get The community more engaged the the castle rock page on the gallery i'm putting in links to other shows i'm doing an actual review of the fan critical podcast so that in case you take my word for stuff but you need a little backup i'm going to explain why we love it so much and some of the facebook groups that are particularly fun the subreddit that kind of thing because i really want folks to know that there are places to go and talk about these things thanks to Midwest Mitchell who was very mad that we were late on the last episode and I mean but in a in a nice way just because he was looking forward to it Um, and Amy on Twitter and no idea what's coming next on Twitter some really good fun Twitter handles and uh, I know that there's a million more but I didn't write him down ahead of time because I'm not Hannah. Ah,
1: You guys are the real Castle Rock stars.
0: Yep. I've been been sitting on that
1: one for two hours.
0: Damn. That's nice. That Uh is really nice. And uh, you guys make this all worthwhile because knowing that people are digging it, Lost in Cleveland, I'm just kind of scrolling through the list now. We actually made a legit Castle Rock twitter but we didn't do anything with it yet maybe we should oh, yeah. maybe we should bring that out to let people have one spot to put it that's hmm. true
1: although i do like all the individual interaction on my actual yeah that's
0: twitter, true but. you know what yeah we'll we wouldn't see. do
1: this if it was an echo chamber you guys are what makes it fun
0: yeah no it's really really fun it's really fun and i
1: mean i think i just came up with names for our like the name for our listeners you know every podcast has that you guys are the castle rock stars i think it's
0: great yeah that is really good i think
1: good. also It's also corny as hell, but I'm here for it. And not just because it's my idea.
0: No, it's a good one, Castle Rockstars. They are thus christened.
1: So let it be written, so let it be done. I just did a very blasphemous sign of the cross, but none of you can see it, so it's fine. Doesn't matter.
0: (laughs) Doesn't matter. To me, it was backwards anyway. Oh, add this to your question list. Why'd they take the cross off the wall in the bedroom?
1: Oh, good thought. Why cross off wall? All of my notes are written in bad grammar shorthand.
0: Why Why cross off off wall? wall? Bread yeah. good, fire bad.
1: <laughs> There's similar things, yeah.
0: Actually, wait a minute. You you probably don't remember the old Saturday Night Live skit that was it was Tarzan and Frankenstein, and I can't remember who the third one was. But it was Oh just, my god. It, but it was all them like talking about stuff. And yeah. one time Frankenstein said bread good fire bad and the kid likes bread and fire is always bad in Castle Rock.
1: The kid so. is Frankenstein.
0: holy crap and I said like in episode two I would be really mad if it was a Frankenstein son of a bitch
1: he's too beautiful to have been stitched together from corpses I think we're safe
0: well if you were going to stitch somebody together from corpses Hannah what would you end up with
1: oh god this is too intimate. People will <laughs> find... Them. I was, I was going to say, though, that like I frequently think about, like, what's the next sexy monster going to be? Because you know we got whatever. But Sexy yeah. Frankenstein, I feel like, is an untapped market. You're right. There you go. Go forth. They did a uh, Sexy Monster from the Black Lagoon, so that one's right out. Guillermo del Toro knocked that one out of the park. So.
0: Nice. You know what?
1: And on that note...
0: Yeah, I just... I love these. And we might... And it may, it may work. It depends on the extent of my, my disease state. But we might do uh, in the same place at the same time quick take Wednesday night. So watch out for yeah. that, folks. Because we are in the same state. But either way, we are going to do the quick take. And actually, give us some feedback about the quick takes. Because I love them. But it's, I don't know if people... Don't have time to listen to them because I realize all our stuff is so long. But if it's not one of the things that you dig the most, that's the kind of feedback we want, too. So, either
1: way, it's a good place to read our mail. Mm-hmm. Else.
0: So, send us a bunch more mail. Oh, that reminds me, too, that Sherry S had another thought, um, not just about the Dolores Claiborne thing. She was talking about the pupils. 'Cause she jumped right onto it. Uh-huh. Henry's first meeting with the kid in Henry's childhood room and we're gonna put all these pictures in the in the uh list about how he was calling him a boy. Yeah, she got some really, really good um screenshots. And when Pangborn sees him in the trunk, he refers to him as a boy, which I think it was he's even younger than a kid. And the kid seems to look younger in one of the paintings, and maybe they're in Lacey's locked basement.
1: Oh yeah, I can't believe I've never looked at that look-ahead, but...
0: I never look at it, and I've never listened to the companion, the official companion podcast. Mainly because right. I don't have any time to, because I gotta listen to Fan Critical and Us. Right. Even though, honestly, I listen to us so many times when I'm editing it. Poor, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah.
1: Poor so, you indeed.
0: So, listen, everybody. Thank you for being so supportive. Um, again, if you if you do give us a, a rate or review on your podcatcher of choice, wherever fine podcasts are sold, give us a shout out and let us know. Because the fact is, is that that is super super valuable, and I don't have any issue doing. Um, giveaways for the, the Strangeful Things cards is, is for that, too. We also have Strangeful Things coasters, and I'm sorry that all the stuff is Strangeful Things stuff because we haven't had time to design our sweet, monstrous Howling products, although I did have the prototype of one, so...
1: And, you know, what the hell? If it's motivating to you guys, I will print you a sheet of stickers and send you a dollar store hat.
0: Oh. So that you can
1: have your own podcast hat.
0: That's true. Yeah. But, and... You Oh. You could print it with their name on it. Then it would be personalized. Totally. I'll put one of the coasters. I'm just holding it up for the camera for Hannah yeah. to see. They're real. Cannibal lady. Yep. So, listen everybody. We love you to death. You're the reason why we do it. Otherwise, we would still be talking like this. It would just be like to each other. And then our spouses would think we were weird. <laughs> but as it is now, they think we're weird, but other people get to listen to it.
1: Productively weird.
0: Damn straight. Which listen. Is the best way to be. You're the best, Hannah. Thank you for taking such meticulous notes. I want you what to I have do. a really, really cool notebook. And I think I want to redo the logo of the historical society.
1: Yeah, let's sign. I want to get like some custom notebooks for this whole thing cuz these don't match. Yeah. I got flamingos and pineapples and flowers at this point.
0: Yeah, no. Which are you're, all great. But basically, not very what you're creepy. saying is where do you buy them? At the slot machine merchandise store?
1: <laughs> the answer to this question is the TJ Maxx clearance section.
0: Roger that.
1: So, yeah. Get your okay. own tiny notebooks.
0: Okay. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Thank you for indulging us. We know that these episodes kind of wander around a little bit, but Castle Rock is a fun town to wander around in.
1: Uh, dust ourselves off and, you know, get back to our. Our real lives for a little bit. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. You're great. We love you. See you next time.
0: Bye bye.
1: Bye.